Jennifer at No Label Brewery, and you're listening to Drink of Ages Radio Show with John Denman. Come out to No Label seven days a week and join us for some badass beers on tap. Don't forget to visit our website at nolabelbrew.com for all events happening at our brewery. Hope to see you soon. I can think of only one thing that could lift my spirits right now. Beer. 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 This is Drink of Ages on ESPN 97.5. The only show dedicated to craft beer, spirits, and music. Here's your host and luminary, luminary. John Denman. John Denman. All right. No John Denman this week. I am A.J. Hoffman. I, uh... Also host a show on ESPN 97.5 every once in a while, like every Monday through Friday from 4 to 7. So uh, check out that show if you get a chance. But, of course, listen to uh, Drink of Ages next week, and you'll have John Denman back in-house. He asked me to fill in for him. I was excited to do so, and he said, you know what? If you've got someone in the craft beer community you want to have on as a guest... Be my guest. And the first guy that came to my mind was Marcus Baskerville from Weathered Souls Brewing in San Antonio, a brewery that I I think has, in the last maybe year, year and a half, has just blown up and has become, in my opinion, one of the better breweries in the state. And a lot of people here in Houston either don't know about it because they haven't tried it or, you know, I, I mean... Not everybody's out trading beer. Not everybody's traveling to taste beer because there's no distribution here in Houston. A lot of people don't know about it. And Marcus was kind enough to drive all the way from San Antonio through a friggin' hurricane, it seems <laughs> like. And, um, and he is here with us today. Marcus, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing well. Can't complain at all. I appreciate you uh, making the drive, first of all. And, I appreciate uh, you having me. And, uh, and taking the time. So... Tell people a little bit about the brewery, who maybe the people who haven't heard of it or, or haven't had any of your beers. Tell people when you guys got started, why you got started, and, and just about, your, uh, about the beer that you're making. Okay. So we've been open since 2016. This year will be three years. Uh, November 19th will be our third year anniversary. Uh, we'll probably be celebrating it on the 16th, I think. Um, but yeah, so we've been open for three years. We run a 20-barrel brew house system in San Antonio. Um, we pretty much have everything across the board. So I don't really say that we specialize into one beer or anything. I mean, of course, we're more known for our stouts, um, which everybody gets pretty excited about. But, I mean, we have anywhere from a lager, Pilsner, Heffenweizen, to a barley wine on tap. So it's kind of everything across the board, uh, something for everybody, um, you know. So I feel like I and I went when the brewery was very young. I was I was going there. I've got a brother who lives in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. I, I go there pretty regularly, and I feel like the first couple times I went, there was maybe five beers on tap. Yeah, we were trying to get our feet wet. Almost all IPAs. So yeah. like I felt early on, maybe you guys were an IPA brewery, and 
like you said, people get crazy about the stouts. Was was the intention when you opened to be an IPA heavy brewery, and the stouts um, just kind of banged for you? Well, I'm originally from the West Coast, right? So I'm from California. So me, as a personal palate wise, I like West Coast IPAs, Dank IPAs, that type of thing. Uh, so I think starting out, that's more so what I was excited about brewing. Uh, but as brewers, you kind of go through um, phases, right? So sometimes you feel like brewing one thing. Sometimes you feel like brewing another. But then also you have to look at your consumer, and it's some things become more popular than others. So for us, the IPAs took off really fast for us, um, especially because within the city of San Antonio, nobody was really brewing hazy IPAs or super dank West Coast IPAs or anything like that. We were pretty much the first person there to brew a uh, hazy um, so I think that's more so why they kind of took off um, and then as we kind of gauged the market we kind of seen that that only hits so many so being in San Antonio you know that's a Dos Equis town right so uh, a lot of people are in the loggers easy drinking beers pilsners that type of thing so it's kind of been um, a struggle to conform the rest of the city over the last few years like you know there's other beers besides this kind of try this see what you think and that's why we've kind of had to create more of a wide spectrum so we can hit all aspects of all of the consumers within the city. Okay. Talk about San Antonio as a beer town. I mean, obviously you've been around the state now. I know you've, you've collaborated with Houston breweries, uh -huh. Dallas breweries. I'm sure you get in the Austin area. Where, where is San Antonio at as a beer city in 2019? Where were they in 2016 and where are they in 2019? So 2016, um, San Antonio is very new. Right. There was less than 10 breweries open at the time, and most of them were, um, you know, loggers, pilsners, that type of thing. Um, now that other breweries are starting to open and push the envelope as far as beers, that has kind of had other breweries to have to step their game up as far as what they're brewing because now consumers are looking for certain different types of beers. And if your brewery is not brewing them, then they're going to go elsewhere. So now breweries have had to kind of start conforming to what we're doing what Isla Street's doing, what Cactus Land is doing, different things like that to uh, kind of keep up with what the craft consumer wants as far as their beers. Because we know that the current craft consumers into the whole hazy, uh, treated sours, uh, treated stouts, that different type of thing. And so San Antonio, as far as a community, originally had kind of a pushback towards it because it wasn't something that they were used to. Like, okay, they're trying to bring in these, these new type of beers that are gimmicks. You know, most people, oh, these are gimmicky beers, blah, 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 blah. But then these beers ended up staying around, and now, you know, uh, a lot of people are more so, that's the forefront of their breweries or stouts and hazy beers. Um, so San Antonio, generally then, it was kind of, um, I won't say last on the list, but they, they had a long way to go. Now, you look three years um, Ford, you have Isla Streets open recently. You've had Cactus Land open in the last few years. I think you have three or four other breweries opening within the next six months. Um, maybe a little more than that. So it's actually growing as a city. Uh, people are starting to produce different beers. You had Roadmap open recently. And they're a good brewery uh, to, to show and to kind of reference as far as um, 
the stylistic changes. When they originally opened, they were doing a lot of clear beers, lagers, pilsners, that type of stuff. But now if you look at their tap list, it's uh, treated stouts, treated kettle sours, hazy IPAs, that type of thing. So you can see their whole entire tap list has changed over the last year. And it's because that's what is driving consumers to the brewery. So, I mean, San Antonio is eventually going to get there, especially with all the new age breweries that are opening and stuff like that. So it should be an exciting two 2020 for San Antonio. So for the longest time when I thought of craft in San Antonio, Freetail was the, the brewery that jumped out. Are they kind of like this? what St. Arnold is to Houston? Yeah, is that so, kind of Freetail? You know, Freetail is more like the Godfather Brewery of San Antonio. Um, when Scott was there, he advocated a lot for getting a lot of the different little beer laws changed within the entire state of Texas. So, you know, they're always going to be OGs to the game and uh, always be appreciated for some of the things that they did leading to have the beer scene itself grow. Do you think it's easy for a brewery of that size that's, that was there before everybody else, like you said, kind of the OGs, like they don't really have to play the chase to consumer. Like they don't have to play that game that a smaller brewery has to do. Do you agree with that? No. Um, they have to chase as well. They have to change as well. Um, and you look at their whole side project, they had Ghost Pixel, and that's what that was, was, okay, we don't want to conform our initial taps and different things like that because we have our base consumers, but we also want to hit this market of craft consumers that are drinking these beers that typically don't come and drink our regular stuff. So let's open this side project and start brewing hazies and stouts and different things like that that we typically don't brew and get that, that type of crowd as well. What was so when you open up this brewery? What was the expectation? Like, how how fast did you expect to grow? Did you expect it to get to where it is now, where people um, are lining up out your door to get beers? Like, what? no, um, I didn't expect for it to grow that swiftly at all. So originally, I used to be a fraud manager for Citibank, and when we opened the brewery, I still had my full time job. So I was working full time at Citibank. We actually had a production uh, manager at the time who did the first couple batches of beer. Uh, leading up to our grand opening, uh, my recipes, but he brewed them. And um, at that point, it was after the anniversary or after the, the grand opening and a couple weeks in, I realized how busy we were going to end up being based on the initial um, feedback we were getting. So I basically had a discussion with my wife and was like, uh, I think I'm going to have to quit my job in a year early. A year early, and it's like, well, yeah, you know, based on this and this, this is what's going to happen. And so I ended up, with her blessing, ended up quitting a year before I was expecting to. And it kind of just, you know, went from there. Um, so I definitely didn't expect to get the reception that we did off of the jump. Um, but I'm glad that we did, of course. <laughs> um, but... You know, um, I think it also helps that we were the first brewery within that within San Antonio to start brewing those specific styles. That kind of got people excited to want to come try our stuff more. Is there does it get to a point where you're like, we're growing fast? It's great. We need to slow down a little bit. Maybe we don't need to grow this fast. Is it? Do you get to a point where the 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 demand is so high that the supply can't meet it? Um, to an extent. So when it boils down to that. You know, you want your brewery to go. So if you're growing extremely fast and not bringing in enough revenue in to maintain that growth, then that's a problem, right? Um, because then now you're asking for money, asking for assistance, asking for loans, different things like that, and you have to pay all that stuff back. So, I mean, you know, it could be a balance between the two. Um, but for us, 
it hasn't been a growth to where we haven't been able to maintain it. I mean, you figure we're almost on year three. I'm still the only brewer there. Having a like an assistant at this point, um, he does a lot of the uh, the grunt work, a lot of the cellar work, uh, maintenance and stuff like that to leave me up to brew, come do stuff like this. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it hasn't become to the point to where I'm like I can't handle it. So I guess we haven't we haven't grown that much. All right. I'm with Marcus Baskerville from Weathered Souls Brewing in San Antonio. We're going to hit our first break of the night. This is the Drink of Ages show. Come out to Drink of Ages Pub. Uh, great place. Fantastic tap list. Uh, fantastic, fantastic atmosphere. So make sure you get out here. Uh, we'll be right back after these words. is one of Houston's fastest growing craft breweries. From the highly sought after hazy IPAs to its year-round core beers, Boomtown Blonde, Honey Hole, Hop Gusher, 5% Tint, and Houston Haze. Available at retailers all around Houston and surrounding areas. Stop by one of the nicest air-conditioned tap rooms in Houston, Thursday through Sunday, conveniently located 8 miles north of downtown off 59 in Little York. Come hungry and try some of our award-winning barbecue and wood-fire pizza from Texas. Go visit our website at spindletap.com and give us a like on Facebook. Hello, Houston. This is Jared Montgomery, brewmaster at Megaton Brewery. If you have not heard of us, we're a new brewery in Kingwood. Come check out our air-conditioned tap room. Enjoy our free play arcade games, air hockey, pool table, outdoor patio games, and of course food trucks all weekend. Try our tasty brews or grab a pint of our favorite beers made by our friends across the great state of Texas. Megaton serves wine as well. Our tap room is open Friday and Saturday and beginning September 8th, we are open noon to 6 for football season. Find us on Facebook for hours, events, and special beer releases. Thanks so much. Hey, it is lager season at Houston's own 11 Below Brewing Company, and they've got two easy-drinking lagers available right now to help you crush the summer heat. If you're looking for something on the lighter side, their Crazy Pills is a dry hot pilsner built for the Houston summer with a fruity hot flavor and a very crisp finish. If malty is your thing... They can their Oktoberfest Mars and Lager for the first time this year. It's perfect beer to get you in the mood for football season. 
Look for their canned beers at your favorite craft beer store and try all their beers at their Edo Pub Crawl on September 14th from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Check them out on Facebook. Look up 11 Below Brewing Company for all the event information. Back at Drink of Ages Pub, I'm A.J. Hoffman filling in for John Dinman and uh, Marcus Baskerville from Weathered Souls Brewing in San Antonio, Texas, is our guest tonight on the Drink of Ages radio show. He just poured some uh, Thai French, French press, press, which is outstanding. And the, the French press, I guess, is this just going to be like a, a rotating series yeah. that you guys are going to do? So the French press is a canned series that we do for a milk stout. So it's always going to be a milk stout base around 10 and a half, 11 percent. And then pretty much we use a different coffee from a different country or region uh, around the world. And then we try to pair a uh, dessert from that region with that particular beer to create a flavor. Uh, So Thai French press was coffee that was brought in from Thai. And then um, I have a friend in California who owns a Thai restaurant. So I hit her up and was like, hey, what would be a good... uh, dessert breakfast pairing for coffee and so she hit me with a dessert called Thai roti which was like a condensed milk pancake with uh, cinnamon and bananas so we went with that whole entire effect for this particular beer so you get your coffee and then the banana cinnamon and then you get your lactose which gives you that milk aspect to it outstanding beer all, really all of the uh, the french press have been have been really good so i'd say it's a nice, a nice smooth drinking coffee stout. I want to talk to you about your stouts, mostly about how you get the mouthfeel. Like, how are we making stouts that are literally, they, they feel like, it's like drinking chocolate milk. Like, it feels <laughs> like you're pouring chocolate milk in your mouth. It's just beer. Like, yeah. how, how do you get it so thick? Um, so there's a few different things that you have to do for stouts. Um, I won't go into great detail, uh, but pretty much it's more so your mash temperatures. Um, we use a lot of oats within our stout. Um, probably for a 10 barrel batch, we're using anywhere upwards to 300, 350 pounds of flaked oats. Um, also very long boils. Um, so I've heard rumors of boils upwards, uh, like up around 24 hours. Is that legit? So habitual line stepper, we did a 24 hour boil. I probably never do that ever again. Um, that was a long ass brew day. Um, but typically our uh, stouts go anywhere from five hours to 12 hours. And what got what got the wild hair up your ass to go with a 24 hour boil? Um, something different. I wanted to see how much would boil off. Um, I was trying to get something brew something for going into barrels um so i wanted to try to create the thickest beer that we've done uh so basically i said well 24 hours to basically turn everything into syrup so let's check it out and see see what happens and that's about what happened yeah that's pretty much about what happened all right you guys decided this year to do a membership program yeah and well first of all what what went into the decision to do that Obviously, that's sort of a, a big step for a brewery. What went into that decision and any, any regrets, anything that you guys will do, do differently going forward? How, how's, how's the response been so to the membership? Our selective membership has been good. Um, initially, I think we started out with somewhere around 100 members uh, just to kind of gauge and see how things went. Um, everything has been good so far. Um, 
pretty much we wanted to try to create something to give back to um, our loyal customers, people that rock with us, um, people that you know consistently come and want to hang out, different things like that. Um, and then you want to create some like um, limit or scarcity for beer sometimes. So you know with the membership program, these beers are only available for members, kind of stuff like that. Um, so initially we did four releases for the first year and you get three bottles per release. Um, this year we'll do the same, um, but being that we're going into our third year, it should actually be more barrel-aged beers. Um, so something that I've been trying to do lately is bring, uh, build up our barrel-aged program. Uh, so within that, I think going forward, barrel-aged beers are going to be strictly for members. Um, and then other releases will go into more of the like public releases, stuff like that. Uh, but members basically, um, this year we're going to up up the membership a little bit to try to get some new people in. We've had a lot of people show interest uh, from the last time around. It's going to be similar to the same thing. You get um, your bottles. Uh, there's going to be like a special party for members, bottle shares. Uh, they get discount on beer. Um, they have special uh, member happy hours where members come get special discounts, half off prices on beer, stuff like that. And then you get a um, nice little uh, cooler backpack this year for the member gift, glassware, different things like that. Typical member stuff, but then... Um, you know, it's more so about some of the beer that you get that entices people to want to sign up. Now, I know you say you want to do it for the, the local guys, for the loyal people, but I know there's a lot of members in Houston. I'm sure there's plenty in Dallas. Like yeah, so we do have members um, Houston, Dallas. I want to say there's a couple in Austin. We have a lot of out-of-states, uh, a few in California, on the East Coast. Um, so hopefully this year, you know, it'll be a little more spread out and we'll get some other people that have found out about us within the country and want to sign up, stuff like that. One of the things I notice when I go in is there, there's, you guys have your tap list and at the bottom of the tap list, there's one beer that says members, members only. only. Yeah. So typically we try to have a member beer on tap. doesn't always work that way, but, uh, most of the time I'll try to put on something special for members. So when they come in, they'll are the only ones that are able to order it at least for a week or so before we put it on tap for everybody. Is else. there ever frustration from non-members who don't really understand the program and they're like, they see a beer that looks really good to them, and they're like, what do yeah. you mean I can't have this So beer? we get that a lot, too. Um, you get the consumers that are like, oh, well, you know, the whole membership thing is pretentious or uh, are upset because they can't get something. But, you know, at the end of the day, it it's nice to be a part of something, and it's nice to know that if you spend your money that you get access to something that somebody else doesn't get. I wouldn't call it pretentious, but, you know, um, it is what it is. I mean, you're going to get people that complain about everything. Does the the price of membership, does that sort of uh, give, give you the opportunity because you've got the money in advance? I'm guessing that gives you the opportunity to, to be more exploratory, be, uh, be more open with how you spend money on making certain beers. Yeah. So being that you do get some money up front for membership programs, it does allow breweries to spend money on other things, right? Because now you're going to influx of cash. Right, that you're getting a little extra money up front. So for us, we took some of that cash from the last time and put it towards the program. So we bought some barrels for the program, uh, bought a couple extra little uh, small fermenters for specialty batches, stuff like that to kind of increase some of the specialty stuff that we were doing for members and just the public in general. Um, so this year, same thing. We're hoping to buy some more barrels and put some of that money towards, uh, yeah, our barrel program and. Um, 
trying to build that up and probably our mixed fermentation program as well. So probably the at least the first brewery I knew of that was really big into the membership thing was the brewery yeah. in California. And I know eventually they started to run into some problems where, okay, we made this beer for our members only, and then the members would get it, and something went wrong with the beer. And then it's like, what's happened here? Yeah. I know you guys haven't had that happen yet. But is there like a contingency plan in place in case something like that were to happen? Like, do you worry so, about that? I try not to stress about it. I mean, <laughs> you know, we've had a couple of re-fermentations and bottles and stuff like that on some of the public releases, unfortunately. Um, but member beers, we haven't had any issues thus far. Board. Yeah, and I hope we don't. Um, so with the member beers and even to the public beers at this point, we've taken a little more... Um, a little more course as far as making sure things are okay. So we're sending off samples to yeast labs, uh, make sure there's no issues, um, making sure things are fermenting out all the way so you're not getting any type of re-fermentation issues, uh, different things like that. Now there's always contingencies. So as far as member goes, just like for instance with this last member bottle it's supposed to be the mixed fermentation bottle, personally the sour is not ready. So what we're doing to... Uh, kind to hold off members so they're not getting upset is we're releasing an extra stout for them just for members just to kind of tide them over until the sour is ready so you know it's here's a beer to keep you happy you know all right i'm sorry that this beer is not ready i mean mixed fermentation i can't really control right uh, i mean you know the yeast tells you when it's ready so you know here's something to at least keep you happy in the meantime well, while we're on the topic, tell people a little about when, when you guys are going to open up for the next round of membership and where people can, um, can get so it. So next round of memberships, I want to say it starts September 8th for the public. It opens up for members on the 1st for them to be able to go ahead and re-sign up into the 8th, um, which they're getting uh, grandfathered in at the 275 price. And then new members come in starting in the 8th, and I think they have a month to sign up, and it will be a $300 price tag. Um, and then at that point, they can either come to the brewery or we'll be posting a Eventbrite link soon where they'll be able to go to the Eventbrite and sign up if they're out of town. All right. So, uh, as someone who has been a member, it's well worth it. The beer is outstanding. Um, I, I'm a firm believer that you guys are putting out beer that's worth paying for and you get your money's worth out of this program. So I, I recommend that to, to everybody who's out there. Uh, we're at Drink of Ages Pub. Stop by here this weekend. Uh, I'm with Marcus Baskerville from Weathered Souls Brewing. We're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back with more from Drink of Ages.
friend Ryan Lewis from No Label Brewing Company is here, man. Tell us about what's going on with No Label. Hey, guys. Right now, we've got our Oktoberfest out, finally. 6.25% alcohol, some great malt notes to it as it warms up, and a little bit of a dry finish. Speaking of which, we've got our Oktoberfest going on at the brewery September 13th. The Oktoberfest shindig starts at 6. Everything is free to get in. Uh, we'll have pint glasses available for everybody there as well. And then speaking of some other events we got going on across town, August 22nd, we have our very first Escape the Brew at Heights Beer Garden. We've combined Escape the Room with beer at your local bar. Come through and have some fun, man. We're going to have about six teams of five to six people. First come, first serve. This year's theme is uh, Candyman, the Heights serial killer from back in the day. That's going to be a good time. Oh, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Lots of lots of games. There'll be some swag for the winners. And then we've got uh, there's a special prize for each team is going to have one person that's another accomplice that's going to be slowing you down. And if you can figure it out and, and win, cool. If he slows you down enough, then he wins something. The rest you get to just look at. Well, the cool thing is, is you see no label beer all over the place now. Uh, you guys are making some fantastic stuff. So stop by the tap room if you've never been there. Open seven days a week and check out nolabelbrew.com. Uh, ask for Brumosa if you come to the brewery soon, man. We've, we've, we threw uh, some El Jefe in with a bunch of orange puree. Jumped that thing up to 6.8% alcohol. Tastes like a juicy afternoon. of Agents Pub over here on the wall. Uh, stop by out here this weekend, guys. I know you're out and about right now. Get out here, drink some beer with us. And Marcus Baskerville from Weathered Souls in San Antonio is my guest. And I was talking earlier, a lot of people don't know about your beer here in Houston, which is kind of one of the reasons why I asked you to come out here is because trying to spread the gospel. When do you think beer will start being outside of san antonio is that is that on the list of things to do or are you guys happy staying inside that footprint um no so we're actually um trying to branch out at this point um we're in a couple locations in austin or no in houston right now um i know we were in craft beer cellars is that a location okay we were in there and there's another location out here too. I'm sorry, I don't do the sales, so that's all good. That's all yeah. good. But I want to say that we're in three or four locations in Houston right now. Um, we're expanding out into um, Austin, surely, but surely. Um, we just got into Pint House recently. Um, a couple locations out there, and then um, Turning Point in Dallas just picked up one of our kegs, uh, so we'll be on tap in Dallas soon. Um, so we're kind of, you know, trying to branch out, trying to slowly uh, get our kegs into some different areas and stuff. Um, in San Antonio, we're in a, over 60 locations. And again, it's just me. So, I mean, within that self, it's, it's a lot to just maintain the city that we're in and keep all the accounts happy. We uh, signed with a distributor earlier this year just for the San Antonio accounts, and that's picked up a lot. I mean, you know, we just got into uh, SeaWorld today, and off the bat, they wanted think like six or seven barrels of our lager oh so that's just off the bat and then there was asking if we had another 40 barrels to the yeah i know i uh, had another 40 barrels ready so it's kind of hard to you know 
branch out in other cities and other areas when we're uh, when I'm working 60, 70 plus hours to keep what we have on tap in our current city. How did you decide on San Antonio? You said you're a West Coast guy. How did you end up in San Antonio? How did that become the, the place where you so decided to build this thing? San Antonio, um, I took a promotion with my job. So originally I used to be a fraud manager for Citibank. Uh, so doing with check fraud investigation. And I took a promotion with my job, moved to San Antonio. Um, and at that point was home brewing, different things like that. Um, I had got like a assistant brewer job at another local place. Um, and then at one point got to the point where it was like, I think I could do this on my own. So ended up meeting my current business partner, Mike, uh, in the process of that. And uh, he lived in San Antonio as well. And again, you know, the San Antonio market, when, when I first got there, it was on the slower end. It was end wide open. Whole, yeah, it was wide open for the taking that I felt. So San Antonio, to me, was the perfect option to want to open a brewery just because of some of the lack of things that you were getting at, in the city at the time. Um, so it made sense to kind of fill that void. Now, I noticed, like, you guys, the, the spots you have... Uh, did you guys go ahead and buy out the, the spot next door already, or was that no. you guys to begin uh, with, or how, how did it how did it work out? Because I feel like it was smaller the first time I went, and now it's there's you got some more room to grow. So we ended up getting um, a decent amount of space um, from our leasing company. Uh, pretty much there was a um, there was like an old law uh, dealing with beers to go. Um, in that general area, right? So across the street, we have a church, and behind us, we have a disability elementary school. So we had to get permission kids from the church. Kids love beer, especially disabled <laughs> yeah, kids. Yeah, we had I've to get permission from the church, and we had to get permission from the school. But within all of that, there was some old rule dealing with beer to go. And it was like an imaginary line within our, like our warehouse door. So our leasing uh, company ended up like, hey, uh, you know, we uh, messed up when we set up the situation so um you know we'll we'll give you this extra space for you know this additional price but it's not gonna be you know what you would pay if we were normally gonna give you this space so it ended up being a very good lucrative deal for us to take the extra space so that's how we ended up with it um so at this point we actually turned it to an event space so like this past weekend we hosted our first wedding at the brewery um, with a reception and all that type of stuff. So we've kind of turned that back area into an event space for, um, you know, various things for people to rent out. Uh, it has its own tap wall back there and that whole type of thing now. Is that the permanent solution for that space, or do you ex do you expect to expand your, your brewing um, capabilities at some point? So we actually have, um, it serves as both. So I've already moved three tanks over to that side. We got two uh, new 40-barrel um, horizontal lager tanks recently. Um, and then we moved another tank over since I got two new seven-barrel stackable tanks. Um, so those are off in the corner. But, you know, we put some nice lights over them, make it look like they're for show. Make it look pretty. Yeah, keep them clean. And um, then it's just ambiance for the event space. Okay, so this is a maybe a weird conversation to have. But I got texted earlier by one of my buddies who said he was asking if you were bringing beer. And he said, some people in black HBC want to know. And he basically told so I'm in a group called Houston Beer Connoisseurs on Facebook. Uh -huh. He said, and yes, there's a black HBC. And I, which 
kind of blew me away. And I was like, at first I said, why, why, why am I not in this? <laughs> and he said, well, we had to fight over if, if we should let this Dominican guy in. So they're definitely not letting my white ass in. Yeah. But obviously we came out. There's a ton of black dudes here. There's not a lot of black brewers no. in the country, especially head brewers, I imagine. So there is sort of a, a, a brand loyalty you know, it seems like to guys who, who are doing it. And I think that the, uh, the black beer community gets excited about seeing a, a black brewer do some good things. Have you have you felt that? And yeah. Um, so when it comes to most things, um, the black community tries to support each other, right? Um, it doesn't always work that way, but for the most part, we try to. Um, so when it comes to the whole brewing thing, yes, there's a black group on Facebook. And um, Are you in the group? No, I'm not in the group. Okay. I used to be in the group. I used to be. They kicked you out? No, I didn't get kicked out. I left, on my, what happened? I left on my own accord. <laughs> okay. uh, but, you know, um, actually when it boils down to it, I'm one of the OGs as far as starting the whole, like, uh, black craft brands. So, like, we had Brothers and Beer way back in, like, 2012, 2011. And that was more so uh, me and my brother and my cousin. This is before I even started brewing. Um, this was more so trying to get other African-Americans and minorities and stuff like that into craft beer. Because at the time, 2011, 2012, there wasn't many of us not just brewing, but there wasn't many of us drinking beer at that time either. And so it was uh, something to want to try to bring the community together and bring some camaraderie. Um, because for us, typically what we started drinking growing up was liquor, right? So uh, for me, I was a Hennessy guy until I got into craft beer. And then from there, you know, it kind of branched out from there. So now I don't typically drink liquor. If I do, it's probably bourbon. But um, in that whole aspect, you know, it was trying to bring people together. So probably around 2016, 2017, the other black group started on Facebook. Um, which is the same thing. They want to build a community between each other and, um, you know, that type of thing. And so that's what that group is for. Um, so I'm not in the group anymore because you have that camaraderie and you show people respect, but then some individuals don't show that same respect to the group. So, you know, you're in private groups, different stuff like that. There's supposed to be certain rules, right? So, like, no screenshotting, but then... Somebody wants to screenshot someone something and then send it to somebody to cause issues. Um, so that's why I left. Well, because I mean, obviously it's great to have, you know, and, and it's almost I don't want to say it's like a, a niche thing to have a, a black brewer, but there's not a lot of black brewers. No. So it's great to have a, a, a group of those of black people who want to support your brand. But you're saying like at the same time it's. It's very difficult to run a black-only craft brewery, and you're worried that maybe something could happen that would alienate yeah. the rest of your audience. Is that, well, that kind of what you're saying? Definitely don't want to do that, right? So at the end of the day, everybody drinks craft beer, black, right. white, Mexican, Asian, whatever the case may be. So for me, I don't really get into the whole race aspect of it. Yes, I'm a black brewer, but at the end of the day, I'm a brewer, right? Um, you know, there's not many black brewers, but there's, I mean, you know, as far as the state of Texas, there's not many brewers that are doing what we're doing, period. Black, right. Asian, whatever the case may be. Um, and then also it's the, the fact that everybody enjoys beer. It doesn't matter what race you are. Uh, everybody loves beer. So for me, that's where I look at the aspect from it from. 
right? Um, and especially as a business owner, you don't want to gauge to one side of um, a consumer and then alienate another side because, okay, they're showing special treatment to this or showing special treatment to that. I treat everybody the same. So even though, you know, I was in the group and I'd look out for them in certain aspects of, you know, hey, you're getting this information first or something like that, for the most part, you treat everybody the same. Um, and then for me, I mean, you look at the whole brewing aspect of things. Um, African-Americans didn't bring me into brewing. You know, who taught me how to brew were white boys and who brought me into craft beer were white boys and who taught me what I know today are white boys. So, I mean, I can't really... You can get down train. with anybody. Yeah, exactly. That's what you're saying. Exactly. So you're, you're, it's not like a hey, this is a black thing. Exactly. This is because you, you, so, I mean, it's you know, it's a I, it's a craft beer thing. I, I love representing the black community, and I love being able to say that I'm a successful black brewer, and I love that there are uh, people within my community that are proud of the things that I'm doing. So but just it's more like, important to you to be yeah, a, 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 successful a brewer. successful brewer in the end. And so that's why this year I made it a point to uh, go to Fresh Fest in Pittsburgh, right? So Fresh Fest is the first black beer festival. And they specialize in having all these different black breweries focused on uh, different uh, collaborations with other breweries, just bringing black breweries that aren't typically going to get that type of... Um, that exposure. type of exposure from you know the normal aspects of just the beer and brewing community so they hosted this whole dope super festival in pittsburgh where pittsburgh has made it a holiday that this you know this thing has been so successful so this year they had about 3300 people so me and my brewer's assistant drove over 24 hours from san antonio all the way to pittsburgh to make sure that we joined in this festivity just because you know you do have that support and you do have those people that that enjoy your beer so we wanted to give back in that aspect but over the whole thing it's i mean the brewing community is one community it's not split up between any type of race or anything like that everybody's in it for the same thing so that's how all it right. should be We've got uh, one more segment to go out here at Drink of Ages Pub. I'm with Marcus from Weathered Souls Brewing. And uh, when you're on about this weekend, stop by Drink of Ages and have yourself a pint. We'll be right back for the last segment of Drink of Ages. about opening up a bar 
a brewery, or if you have either one, you need to contact my friend Brian Kircher over at Draftsmiths of Texas. He takes care of all the beer lines at Drink of Ages, which makes it, you know, when breweries come in, they, they try their beer on tap. It tastes as good as it does the brewery. He can install your system, maintain it, glycol, do the whole thing. Give him a call at 713-647-1100 or just look him up online, dstexas.com. And man, let him take care of your beer lines. Are you thinking of buying, selling, or renting a house? Let my good friend Amber Sear with Stanfield Properties help with all your real estate needs. She is your real estate connection. Amber is a second-generation real estate agent and holds herself to the highest ethical standards. She is a member of the National Association of Realtors, Texas Association of Realtors, and Houston Association of Realtors. Work with a knowledgeable native Houstonian who I know well and I trust. Whether buying, selling, or renting, contact Amber Sear from Sandfield Properties. Her email address is ambersear.realtor at gmail.com. That's ambercyr.realtor at gmail.com. Or call her at 832-715-5455. Again, that's 832-715-5455. All right, if you guys need anything like some shirts, some merch, some stickers, uh, from koozies to any of that stuff, whether you're a brewery, a distillery, or yeah, you just have a business you want to get started and get your brand out there, man, you need to talk to my buddy Rodney Campbell over at Cask Branding. He can take care of you with your glassware. You're, I mean, like I said, he makes all of our shirts here at Drink of Ages. He does a lot of stuff for a lot of people around Houston. So reach out for caskbranding.com, Rodney Campbell, and tell him that you heard on Drink of Ages, and, man, he'll take care of you. All right, we are back. At Drink of Ages Pub here on Wall. Stop by here this weekend. Have yourself a pint. Uh, you can't get any of the Weathered Souls beers. We don't have any here <laughs> yet. But it sounds like maybe someday. Maybe someday. Um, we'll send something up here. Marcus Baskerville from Weathered Souls is here. He's our guest. Appreciate you making the drive in, man. It's been really cool having you here. And some outstanding beer. First, let's talk about the. This is one of the members' bottles. Yeah. So game blouses. We're, we've got, I, there, we've had multiple Chappelle show themed. I've been on a Chappelle here. kick lately. I, I don't like know why, uh, but even to this day, like you figure what that was two thousand and three Chappelle show came out. Yeah. So sixteen years later, and you're still talking about those skits. So we did the um, Brother Darkness. We did Habitual Line Stepper, and so after Habitual Line Stepper, somebody was like, "You have to do uh, F your the couch." Print. You know, they were like, you have to do the Prince game. So I was like, that's it. We got to do game blouses. That's a good so one. So I, f- I figured, you know, for the last um, last member bottle, it would be an appropriate name. I think next year an, an F.O. Couch. I know, huh? We'll have to have an, one of those. And then uh, I think a Clayton Bigsby beer. Is, yeah. uh, <laughs> Maybe a Dylon beer. Dylon, yeah, that'd be Dylon, good too. Dylon. Yeah. <laughs> Dylon Fire. Yeah. Yeah, it's Spit good. hot fire. That's good. Something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this um, Game Blouses is a imperial stout that was aged in Blanton's barrels for a little bit over a year. Um, marshmallows went in the original boil of that beer, and then we hit it with a ton of vanilla beans. So how how experimental? I, I mean, obviously you've done a lot with coffee, you've done a lot yeah. with vanilla. How experimental are you going to get eventually? Are you going to be doing like the? Uh, you know, potato chip style no, and no, all that no, stuff. No, where, no, where, no. Where's the That's, line? For drawn? me, there's a limit. Um, 
you know, um, I don't get it too far into the um, the weird. Okay. I call it. Um, well, five you know, years ago, people would have thought marshmallows was weird. That's true too. Um, I try to stay at the line and not step over it. So you're not a habitual line stepper. Exactly. So for me, um, I mean, and you're in the member group, so. Remember, we let the members choose a bottle. So my only wish was, please do not make this a sweet mess. Like, I don't care what ingredients you use, just don't make it a sweet mess. Um, so even with the marshmallow, we used marshmallow powder in the boil, and I'll never use marshmallow in a boil ever again in my You're life. You're done with marshmallow. Yeah. So that entire bag of uh, marshmallow powder just turned into big-ass marshmallows as soon as it hit the wart and didn't dissolve. So my brewer's assistant, after we were done brewing, we had to like, you know, cool it down and he had to get in and scoop out these big ass marshmallows with a bucket and then hand them to me over the kettle to like clean out the mash tun. So And then what like, happens no. to those giant marshmallows? They went right down well <laughs> it was an effort to get them down the drain. Yeah, so we were like never again. So what's what's to come in twenty twenty? For Weathered Souls. Uh, tell tell me what you expect the, the, the brewery to look like this time next year. Uh, so hopefully we'll be in at least double the accounts that we're in now. Um, my goal is to double the amount of production that we had last year. So last year we had did around 1,200 barrels. Um, so this year I'm looking at doing close to 2,000. We'll see what happens. Uh, but that's the goal. Um, as far as beers go, again, it's going to be expanding on our barrel age program, kind of diving into some styles we haven't done before. I want to get into a couple of Belgian triples, doubles. I want to do a Doppelbach at some point. Um, I'm about to do an American barley wine soon that we're just going to throw the entire thing into barrels. Um, I just put our first English barley wine into barrels. So at minimum, that's going to be 12 months away. I don't know when we'll release it. And then um, kind of expand on our mixed fermentation. I've kind of got out of it recently um, just because I'm scared to infect the brewery. <laughs> um, so it's said the first, yeah. The brewery eventually had to get a whole new building. Yeah, like it's exactly. A, it's, a, it's a scary thing. So we've done three of them and bottled three of them. We have a fourth one aging right now. Um, we'll see what happens with that. I've just been kind of slow with it just because I don't want to introduce too much stuff into the brewery. Is that a, I mean, because you brought one of these beers, Reverence, is that a, a like a passion for you? Like, what, what do you like brewing? What's your favorite thing to brew? Yeah, um, I it enjoy seems like this mixed, is more work. Yeah, right, I enjoy know. mixed fermentation, and it's the whole process of doing it, right? So um, I enjoy doing things that challenge you, right? Um, things that, that challenge you as a brewer. So lagers, pilsners, different things like that. Because you figure there's no way of hiding those off flavors. There's no way of hiding those issues. You brew a bad, bad lager, people are going to be able to tell that you brewed a bad lager. Um, but I also do like brewing stouts. Me personally, I like to drink imperial stouts, so I enjoy brewing. Um, now, the highly treated stuff, not so much all the time. Like I'd rather just have a base barrel-aged stout with no, no adjuncts, no treatment. Um, but everybody else loves it. So that's something that we're going to go into next year. There's a lot more barrel-aged stuff, hopefully. Um, release some more stuff for members. Um, continue doing like the little small batch raffles we've done for members and stuff like that to kind of get some of the little fun stuff that we've done and uh, get them out there. So like recently, I discovered like eight gallons of some beer in a barrel that I haven't looked at in almost two years. <laughs> so I kegged it off. And then instead of uh, putting it on tap, I went ahead and bottled it off, and then we raffled off the bottles to members. 
Um, and then, so, you know, different little stuff like that. I never but, won one of those. So I always see the, yeah. the, the spinning, and it's never me. I don't like that. <laughs> I mean, come on. What, what, what are we doing here? We need yeah, to rig so, this thing somehow. Um, different little things like that. But going into next year, it'll be kind of just dialing in the things that we've been doing, uh, making sure we're not having issues with releases, uh, just trying to bring out quality product that people enjoy and keep going from there. Now... At some point, like the, I mean, obviously you guys are very experimental as a brewery, but like you said, at some point, you you find your niche and then you sort of dive into it and try to try to really dial in on what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, um, you know, you can be experimental and stuff like that, but you want to stick with what you're good at, right? Um, because that's what's going to keep people coming back to you. So we try to stay experimental for the aspect of bringing in new people. Um, but we try to stick at what we're good at because that's going to continue to bring the consumers in that we've already established as our customer base. I mean, just for instance, you know, um, we got heavy into like stouts and uh, IPAs where we were releasing those where we have our small batch Thursdays. So every Thursday we release a new beer. So for a while we were doing a whole bunch of IPAs, kettle sours and stouts. So then consumers started to go or regulars, oh, you guys should start doing something different other than what you're you know we enjoy it and it's good because you guys are doing it well but we want you to start diving into other styles different little things like that so next thing i do is an american half and wise and we do a pilsner um we do an american lager uh different little things that we've never done before but it's something different that we um to bring in you know the trying to entice those consumers that wanted something different. But then Small Batch Thursday come around, and it's like one of the slowest Thursdays that we've ever had. So then it's like, okay, well, do I keep trying to expand and brewing these new things, or do I just go back to what I was originally doing and make sure that my Thursday tap room is full all the time? So, you know, it's fun to experiment and brew different things, but at the end of the day, you got to kind of stick with what you're good at, and that's going to keep bringing those people back because that's what's already been established for you. Well, that's what I, I always wonder because I know a brewery that you guys have worked with here in Houston, Ingenious. Yeah. You go, you can go in today, and if you go back the last day of next month, there might not be any beers Completely that are the same taps. on the wall. Yeah. I mean, so how do you balance having always something fresh on versus having the stuff that people always are going to come in for so what we did from the jump was established we were going to have a core tap list so we always have a mexican lager a west coast ipa um a robust porter and um typically either a blonde or a pale ale on right so that's always going to be on tap every time you come to our brewery you know those beers are going to be on and then the other the other taps that we have are all uh rotating so at that point it's uh we're bringing in different small batches trying to bring in different beers that we've never brewed or trying to bring back stuff that people have enjoyed in the past but then that way you have your people that drink the core offerings that come and want to drink those type of beers all the time but then you have the people that are more experimental that want to drink the fun stuff too so if people want to find more about the brewery, Weathered Souls Brewing, on Instagram, I mean, what, what do you guys? What's the the preferred way so, of getting in touch with you guys? Facebook, uh, Weathered Souls Brewing on Instagram, Weathered Souls Brewing on Facebook. Uh, you can go to weatheredsouls.beer. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram or Facebook. But typically, uh, most of our information is going to come out on Facebook and Instagram as far as releases go, what's going on at the brewery and different events. All right, that's Marcus Baskerville. 
Weathered Souls Brewing. If you get down to San Antonio, try it. If you see it in Houston, try it. I promise you guys this place is legit. I wouldn't have had this dude drive all the way here from San Antonio if it wasn't. Uh, if, if you hated today's show, John will be back next week. I know <laughs> I'm, I'm a very I'm an, I'm a novice host. I'm new to this. But uh, but John, your your loyal your your faithful leader John will be back next week doing drink of ages once again. Appreciate you, Marcus. I it was a pleasure. You. The beer thank was outstanding, uh, and thank you for making the drive, man. And yeah, you guys come out to drink of ages, and um, we'll talk to you next time. Cheers. Cheers.